Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Hello. And we're up to episode 104, this fine December evening. How's it going, Trevor? Going pretty well. Going pretty well. Cool. Ready to rock and roll and get into some podcasts. Rock and roll and design some games. Well, let's do it. And I think, like last week, because we had a bit of fun with that last week, I think we might jump back into some remakes of old games that we played as children and think about what they could be with the same sort of themes or maybe even just the same name or characters, whatever we can take from them, bring them into the modern era, because nobody likes new IPs. No publisher's going to publish a new IP. Find a remake or a reboot or a rejazz, and they'll, uh, they'll greenlight that in no time. So, would you like to go first or do you want me to? I'll let you go first. All right, I'll kick it off. So, I was thinking about this one today. I can't remember. It just jumped out of the depths of my memory. Did you ever play an old game called Thexter? Yes, I did. <laughs> to the now, point that I played it last week. <laughs> jeez. You and yeah, you, you are going through this whole retro retro DOS game phase, aren't you? Yeah. Um, 1987, Thexter. So you're going to know more about this than I do because I haven't played yes. it in decades. Um, but basically, you play a robot who can also transform into a plane. It's sort of mm-hmm. a sort of a platformer, obviously slash shoot 'em up uh, in a way. So yeah, I don't know. Like, there's obviously a bit of a Transformers vibe, but I, just that limited thing of you know giant robot blasting things with your laser being able to transfer at any point into into the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what sort of weapons did the plane... Like, well, what sort of weapons did... E- what, what was the purpose in Thexter of each of the different um, transformations? So basically the r- robot, he could um, basically hold down the space bar at the time and it would just do an auto lock on with the, um, with the laser that he had. So it would kill okay. all, the, all the enemies in front of him, no matter whether they were up above him or below him. It'd just yep. lock onto the nearest enemy and basically wipe them out as quickly as it could. Mm-hmm. When you transformed into the ship, it could only fire forwards. Okay. Was it more powerful? Um, just focused. Mm. Was there a purpose to it then? Uh, well, sometimes you needed to fly around the level because the yep. robot could only jump so far. So the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the um, the ship could definitely fly around a lot more. Uh, so prior to last week, the last time I played it, I was like eight or nine years old. And yep. I've got to say, I never got past the second level. Well, last <laughs> week, I didn't get past the first level. It's that hard. <laughs> it's a very hard game. <laughs> All right. Well, look, here's what I'm thinking. Um, there's obviously an aspect of puzzle solving with traversal. Um, you know, you can only get past certain sections, certain areas. There's obviously a bit of ref- sort of semi-reflex based shooting. I think maybe though, instead of making this a reboot where you're a robot who turns into a plane, can we come up with a different vehicle and think about the traversal options that that would sort of give us? Okay. So obviously, a plane is being able to fly, and it was a very like four-directional kind of. You can. Um, you can just fly up, down, left, and right sort of thing. This is a side- We should say this is a side-scrolling platformer for those who haven't yes. played. But uh, in the new one, it is a- Well, know, I assume we world. go full 3D. Yeah. So, I'm thinking, do we go, like, boat? Do we go motorcycle? So, you can kind of, like, 
have to do jumps to get to higher places or be able to like go down sort of narrower things that as a as the big hulking robot you can't do so what um, i'm picturing is that you can transform between yeah, I really like the motorbike. The, the the skinniness of it sort of helps mm. with the um with movement. Um, and there's balance, just a lot of fun in those sort of three D games of riding a motor motorcycle around yeah. the sort of tight turns, but possibly you know flipping the whole bike that sort of thing. I was sort of originally thinking, can I say bicycle? But then I thought, <laughs> just, uh, this just a regular robot just like getting squashed into like these <laughs> tiny tubes. <laughs> yeah, conservation of mass there. Might be yep. an issue, you know, the yeah. suspicion whereas, of disbelief. Whereas the motorcycle, the, I feel like you could at least, you know, motorcycle le- semi-legitimately <laughs> fold a big robot with lasers and missiles into, into a, in a motorcycle. What I like is the further that you go, the more that you can actually unlock. So mm-hmm. maybe you can later on unlock, like, the flying and all other parts. Well, yeah, I really like the idea of... And look, this actually reminds me a little bit of, uh, like, the first Crackdown game. Do you remember in those games, like, as you leveled up your vehicles? Or as you, as you, I think it was as your player leveled up, the vehicles you'd go into or turn into or whatever it was. I think it was when you got into a vehicle. Would, like, hulk up and bulk up as well and be more impressive. Yep. So, yeah, I'm wondering if there's a bit of that as you kind of unlock or level up the different... And, and maybe you can turn into different vehicles or maybe it's just that the motorcycle itself, like, now it's got wing attachments that you can... You know, deploy and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that might be a just just to mix it up and not go full plane. Maybe there are different aspects because uh, I like the idea that you unlock additions to your robot, which affect both of your modes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you unlock wing sort of things that maybe in robot mode they they are like extra armor on your you know sides or something um, to protect you from people flanking you, but. And I like the idea of a really semi-realistic transformation in that you can see sort of how all the bits might fit in. And so when you transform down to the motorcycle, now these side things become, yeah, like glider wings um, that can kind of deploy in and out. And and maybe later on you get like a big jet, um, like a big rocket jet that, you know, in your in your robot mode, I'm picturing almost like Reinhardt from Overwatch doing his big blast forward. Mm-hmm. But- as the motorcycle, I mean, it still gives you a blast forward, but it can be used then to, like, really boost, you know, maybe travel really far. Like, if you do go off a big jump, glide, and boost, then that's a way you can get across this sort of huge open world really quickly. Well, what I, what I like about a lot of the games nowadays is open worlds in which you can only get to certain areas because you don't have the means to get somewhere else. So the idea of having... Um, you know, basically, a bridge is broken down, so therefore you can't get from between this island and that island. Yeah, but I mean, very when- very light Metroidvania esque. Yeah. You know, gate gating off areas based on your your skills or um, tools. Yeah. So one of the first areas that you go by, you go, "Wow, there's a massive castle on that island over yeah, there." Yeah. But the there's distance, no way to get there. You just you do but a few you know that- few little. You know, there is. You see, there are some like jumps at the edge, and you just like ride your motorcycle off and just plummet into the into the water. And, and it's just like God, no, I'm never there's gonna no make fucking it. way I can get over there. <laughs> yeah, and then like when you finally get the when you finally get the jets and you get to go in there and you're you're literally riding through the castle and Well, or I like the idea you get the glider and you're like, all right, now I can get over there. But like that's not it either. Now it just takes longer before you fall into the ocean. <laughs> you get a bit further, you get like halfway there and you're like, ah oh, fuck, what else do I need? And then yeah, later on you get the jet and it's like, ah oh, fuck, all right. And you just jump up in the air, deploy the glider, fire your jet off, and just sail across that fucking ocean. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I like then you get hit by cool. an invisible wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh shit, I need the like phase phase shifter uh, addition to my robot. Yep. So basically, you got to become the Flash, and you know, phase between. Yeah, like fast things. enough that you just phase between the molecules of, yep. I don't know, whatever it is that fucking speed dimension. Absolutely, speed force. We love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think there's some interesting stuff you could do there. Sexta 2018. Nice. Means okay. we have, what, about uh, 27 days to make this game. <laughs> if we want that to be 2018. <laughs> All right. Okay. Three, two, one, pitch me. Three, two, one, pitch you. So I had a couple here and I'm like, do I want to go this one? I'm like, no. And then I'm like, ooh, I know. Rather than a remake or a reboot, a sequel- to mm-hmm. Little Big Adventure. Well, there already was one. <laughs> the sequel to Little Big Adventure 2. Then. Oh, that was... Uh, wait, wait, was it? Twinson's Odyssey. Twinson's Odyssey one. was the second. But it was, yeah, okay. Little Big Adventure. All right, you're going to have to remind me and probably our audience of this game. Okay. So, I have talked about it once before. <laughs> yes. Um, but basically and I'm sure every single person listening has listened to our entire backlog, so they all know about it. But just yep. in case... Just in case... Um, so there's this alien planet in which these four different alien beings live in harmony. Except for in the first one where, like, pretty much the alien being of the character that you played, called Twinson, I can't remember his actual alien being name, like, what, what the species was called, but um, basically they were all being imprisoned and all this sort of stuff, and you found out that you you had magic powers that would be... And when you wore this special cloak and had this magic amulet, you could throw this ball and and you had different styles of, of movement that you could be in, whether it be um, a sporty mode, a, a normal mode, or an aggressive or a, or a sneaking sort of mode. Oh, I do remember those modes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, Interesting. And um, a lot of the gameplay was in, like, isometric. But then in the um, in the second game, they went to sort of like a, a 3D on the outs- in the outs- outside world and then isometric when you're indoors. And it was sort of like an adventure game crossed with, well, it, it was an action was adventure a, game. I feel like it was really, yeah, I feel like I, I remember the action was really difficult. Like, I just remember dying all the time if I ever had yep. to fight fight anyone because it was just quite difficult controls and and things. Yep. So, the idea of it being sort of like an action adventure set in this set in this world that basically you're walking around, you're helping people, you're also like killing enemies and, all right, and so- doing all that sort of stuff. It's. It seems like it's ripe for for the a, bits. A the sequ- bits I like about this that we could riff on and figure out. The modes. The modes is an interesting gameplay thing. Let's come yep. back to that. The fact that they live on a planet called Twin Sun and the guy's name is Twinson. Yeah, I like that a lot because it's confusing and fuck our audience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, I have also dis- I've also discovered that the race is called Quetch, um, and that's Quitch. just and that's just fun to say. Quetch, yeah, it is fun to say. Quetches are aesthetically similar to humans, except that they all possess ponytails. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually part of their anatomy. I love the idea that, like, if you looked at a Quetch skeleton, hmm. you would see the ponytail. Like, there's a bone in there. So the, or, the or, well, other- it's either there's a bone in there, or it's like a penis where it's just like depending on how much blood is flying through it, it kind of changes in shape. Okay, so moving on from that, there's also like these rat folk sort of um, species. Um, then there was like elephant looking things, mm-hmm. and then there was also a um, another species that was like a little fat 
gremlins sort of thing. Um, okay. I like the idea that it's sort of many years later, Twinson's telling telling his son or daughter, and I'm thinking daughter, his yeah. daughter, um, you know, about here is- um, Twinson. Twinson. Um, <laughs> here is- um, <laughs> Now I'm just imagining- <laughs> <laughs> Twinson, Twinsan, Twinsin, and they all live on Twinson. Twin <laughs> yeah, they all live on Twinson. Three kids: Twinsan, oh, Twinson, and Twinsin. <laughs> but interestingly, with a Y. Ooh. <laughs> um, where was I going with it? Oh, yeah, but tell- telling a story, and then. Twinson gets kidnapped. Wait, Twinson gets kidnapped? No, as in the original. Twinson, the old. The, the, we've made a horrible mistake with you. Yeah, I know. The, the, <laughs> the father, okay. The, the father. protagonist of the original game. All right. Well, maybe you wake up the next day and your father's gone. Okay. And so now it's you've been tasked with, here is, um, here is the magic amulet, here is the, um, here is the cloak, here's right, the so magic let's- ball, here's the hollow map. Go. Just all these tools. So let's. Uh, so if the the modes. Let's go into the modes because now we're getting into the gameplay. Yep. So in the original game, I'm reading here, you had normal mode, yes, athletic mode, aggressive yep. mode, and yes. discrete mode. Yes. Do the children all have the same modes, or do they have distinct modes from each other, based on their personalities? Um. I like the idea that they've got the same modes. Um, it's just, it's part of the quetched being, you know, that they actually have these four distinct modes. Um, oh, I like the idea that they have, like, you know how our brain has, you know, two hemispheres. Yeah. Like, their brain is split into four. Yeah. And each of them aligns to, yeah, one of those modes. If you put them in, if you put them, put them in an MRI, you will see which mode they're on based on which quarter of their brain is like <laughs> Yeah, I really like the idea that it, when you switch into aggressive mode, all you can do is fight. And when you when you yeah when you so switch let's... into normal mode, you can do any talking. But if you sneak into discrete mode, then you're you're able to sneak. But that's all you're actually able to do. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's have a think about from gameplay terms how these would play out because I'm I'm kind of picturing it. You know how in Assassin's Creed, like their big thing, and the, one of the things they really introduced was you could just hold down the run button and sort of direct your character, and it would like climb shit and jump across shit and from one to the other. Like you weren't having yep. to do the pre- precise things. So I'm kind of picturing each of these modes like that. So like maybe your athletic mode is very much that uh, Assassin's Creed style. Um, you if know, you're playing jump- on the on the keyboard, say you hold down shift and you're in in sporty running mode. Yeah, I'm not even sure if you need to hold them down. I'm almost thinking, you know, hit, hit a button on the D-pad, right? If you're on yep. a controller, um, you, the D-pad just switches your modes. And then if you're in athletic mode, you pretty much can't stop running. <laughs> yep. And if something's in your way, you'll jump over it or climb onto it or jump to the next thing, jump across any gaps. Basically parkour. It's parkour mode, you know, yeah, because it's yeah. all new. So, But you're obviously you- going to make a lot of noise. You're not going to be very um, – you might piss people off and you can't really fight in that mode either. So. No. So I think then you can, then you decide okay I'm going to I have to sneak into this place and like steal this um uh, I don't know maybe maybe it's one of your items that you need like it's been yeah so what was this amulet what did this amulet do um basically allowed you to access your magic powers 
Oh, geez. So we've got magic too, here too. All right. So how does that play into the modes? So literally all the magic was, was um, if you didn't have magic, when you threw the ball, it just came back immediately. With magic, mm -hmm. when you threw the ball, it would bounce. <laughs> okay. What did the ball do? Um, so in that's just puzzles interact and that sort of stuff, you could, you could throw the ball to, to like knock a, knock a switch to actually, um, open up, open up an area that you couldn't get to unless you had like magic. And then, um, oh, what's it called? I'm just trying to think. Um, you could also throw the ball at, at like enemies and it would, um, it's basically, that's your ranged attack okay. as well as using magic because you can sort of throw it around corners and stuff. All right. Well, let's, um. <laughs> that's really lame. So let's come up with something better. No, I, I mean, I, th I like the idea of magic being your range attack. I, Cause yeah, I'm watching a little bit of video here and he sort of just throws this little yellow ball and just yep. like flies back to him. We could even do some fourth wall breaking where like the kids call it lame. They, they have better magic and their dad's magic is just like, they always making fun of him because it's just literally throwing this weird magic ball. You, you know like, what? This looks like a tennis I, ball. I, I kind of love the idea that they look at the amulet and they go, Dad, you realize that um, all you had to do was flick this switch here and like- <laughs> <laughs> Just like turns it up to full tutorial power. mode. <laughs> or or yeah. it's like- They're like oh, discovering that, new stuff about the amulet so they can power it up. Dad, Dad's amulet was always set at level one. Yeah. You, you can yeah. power this thing up. <laughs> like, it goes to level 50. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, I like that idea. That I, I like then that the magic could also play into the modes. Mm -hmm. So, in aggressive mode, sure, your magic is your ranged attack and it damages people and hurts things. In normal mode, your magic is a way to, like, reach out and interact with things. Is this how it worked in the original? I don't know. But I like the idea of it sort of shifting as well. So maybe if you're in normal mode and you kind of blast your magic in a direction of a switch over there, you know, you'll, it'll turn into a big hand that reaches out and you grabs kind of, Well, I, I was thinking, you know, in normal mode, it's like a force push um, or yeah. force pull sort of thing. Yeah. Um, in discreet, it's like your mage hand in which you can actually discreetly move, um, move something. Yeah, either that or I was thinking some sort of cloak- you know, cloaking to either cloak you visually or cloak your sound oh, yeah. temporarily or something just to give you that little that little boost to get through certain areas. Aggressive is literally like- um, Like fucking fireballs and shit. Yeah, I was thinking fireballs. I was thinking sort of like Spartan Rage from- um, from, from God of War, yeah. God of War. Yeah. Like, yeah. it just seems like that'd be a perfect thing. Just like, they're so aggressive that they just go- Engulfed yeah. in flames and they start beating the fuck out of people. And then in athletic mode, maybe it's like a double jump, like a, a propel propulsion kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or even a grapple. <laughs> they, they go into like a um a high school wrestling sort of thing. <laughs> Not a grapple like that. <laughs> yeah, you're in athletic mode and immediately you've got one of those bloody um, leotards. What are they called? They're called leotards? Whatever. Unitards. Oh. I know, I know what I'm wanting to see as it as it sort of goes forward. Like you can um you can power up your ball power with like a magic baseball bat, so you can literally like throw it up in the air and just smack it into smack the ball into people <laughs> and then recall it. Yeah, this game is pretty weird. I think like we could fit that in. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited for this. Like it, the the modes and the and the and the um the action. Like, I love that you're excited for a game that will never exist, but they're good for you. Good job. No, it, yeah, that's there's some cool stuff there. I do like those modes and how that would work in sort of a, a more modern, again, open world, full 3D, because that's all anybody makes these days. But Oh, yeah, it's got to be open world and full 3D. But it is fun. Think. It is fun to bring things into that sort of 
modern um, scheme as such. Okay, so but let's I stop now. We stop that there. <laughs> We've had too much fun with that. Let's do Can't some be having that pitch. much fun on this show. Yeah, look, I think we'll move into click pitch, ramped up click pitch. Even do you want to tell our listening audience a little bit about click pitch? No. Uh, oh, well, I mean, yeah, we, um, we've already said fuck our audience <laughs> once today. Like, why bother? Um, we love it. So, audience. in front of us, we both have a random phrase generator in which we'll both get an adjective and a, and a noun on the count of three to one click. We're both going to click refresh, say those words at each other, come up with a game design, and then throw it away and come up with new ones all over again. If, uh, if this random technology keeps getting better, soon it'll just be we have a random podcast generator in front of us, three to one click, and then we just walk away. And then it just does the rest. Well, there already is one. Let me read it to you. No, no. <laughs> no. Three, two, one, click. <laughs> Marine opaque. Hmm. Dabbled scrapbook. Hmm. Dabbled scrapbook. All right. So, originally, when with my words, I was thinking like some sort of aquarium- with, for some reason, like, glass is obviously the opposite of opaque, but for some reason they're going opaque. But with dabbling, dabbled, what did you say, sketchbook? Scrapbook. Scrapbook. I'm more thinking marine in, like, military sense. Okay. And some sort of some sort of mechanic in the game around keeping your scrapbook. So maybe a bit more of a, a narrative-based, less shooty kind of military game. We're actually telling a story about someone in the military, you know, deployed somewhere dangerous, but they're keeping a scrapbook of of the people they meet and the things that happen and their family back home and letters and, you know, almost a bit more of a, I don't even know if you have shooty bits in it, maybe just a bit of a an adventure game kind of thing. Yeah. You know, humanize the air quotes enemy a bit and actually make it an interesting exploration of what it means for these people who are deployed, you know, for for dubious reasons most of the time. Okay. So, for some reason, I'm seeing this ca- this character. Her name is Catherine. Okay. I'm liking that, you know, she's been she's been in the front lines for, for a while. Yeah, I like the idea that she's really got this reputation as a, as a killer almost. Like, that sort of real rah-rah reputation of badass, you know, but this is, again, ex- we get to explore what actually happens behind that front. Hmm. You know, they call her the, uh, I don't know, kill- killer claws or something, you know, cat, something to do with cats, she's Catherine, so. I kind of like the idea that she's just sort of come back from, like, this massive mission mm-hmm. um, in which she's now seeing a, a therapist or something at, at this, um... At the base, like yeah. she's she's having nightmares and all this sort of stuff, and and basically the therapist or whatever has basically told her you need to to start doing something creative to mm. um to sort through your feelings, to sort and- through your feelings and all this sort of stuff. I know that you're a hard ass, but you know I think a scrapbook could be a, a good thing mm. to actually do, and so therefore you know that's the reason why she's why she's actually scrapbooking. It, it's never been her sort of scene, but she's just been. Having to uh, having to um, sort of take heed and and sort of collect collect something for each day of of the scrapbook. Yeah, and so I like the idea then that 
that maybe you're playing through. So, do you think you're playing through flashbacks then that relate to what she's putting in the scrapbook, or is it from you're playing through what's happening from this point on, and now she's keeping the scrapbook as things happen? Yeah, I think it's from now on. Maybe, maybe through through some memories that you you get along the way of things that she sort of doesn't want to doesn't want to talk about and doesn't well, want to hit. Well, I think hit. you see parts of the dreams, right? Yeah. You definitely, yeah, you see some dreams, you see some memories. You obviously talk to the other people in your unit and on the base, and so you definitely get a sense of what she's been through. And then the scrapbook itself, you know, I think can can also act a little bit like a diary where she writes little sections of text, like paragraphs, yep. to put in there next to, you know, the bullet that fucking kill her squad mate or something intense <laughs> like Christ. that. <laughs> she pulled um, it out of his chest on the battlefield. No, I don't know. So so I'm I'm starting to think that there there should be like little bits of little bits of um not necessarily combat missions, but as in, you know, your you and your squad are jumping it jumping in the car to to go like help build a school. You know, and look after mm, mm. a few different things. Yeah, I think it this- can definitely bring in this sort of humanitarian, yeah, aspects. Um, and look, there can be, there can still be some some firefight stuff that goes on. Like it, it's it's a war zone, but yeah, that's not the main part. You know, your your main part is is all about, um, you know, you've got to patrol around this this one particular area with you with these coordinates. So you're hitting all these different things. And as you, as you get to the end of this, you sort of see something and, and sort of go, well, that's, that'll be a, a good collection for the, for the scrapbook. So you, you, you get some, some sort of, um, you know, yeah. adventure, but action stuff happening oh, at I the see. same yeah, time. Yeah. Well, actually I like the idea that even within the action, you're not, it doesn't turn into a shooter, right? It's still more about, what's happening as you're behind cover with your squad mates. And, you know, you're taking, you're able to take action in some ways, like moving from one cover to the other as the sort of story progresses. I think, because I think they're more like set pieces, right? Like you'll get some, you'll get some freedom to move around the environment, but it's, it's pretty much a linear story. Um, But yeah, like you don't actually do any shooting. It's all about either supporting your other squad mates or if short shooting needs to happen, like it's not. It becomes like a, a, I hate saying the words, but, quick time event. Mate, well, maybe, or it's just that it's taken seriously enough. Like, if you have to shoot someone, I want the player to feel it and understand what that means. Do you know what I mean? Uh, there's no bits that just turn into shoot 10 guys and, and brush it off. Because oh, no. the whole point of this is she's, you know, realizing the impact of her actions when she when she has to shoot people when she's under fire, which, you know, <laughs> obviously has to happen at certain times to protect yourselves and your squad, but it's taking its toll. And and I'm I'm starting to think you know th- this could actually be uh, showing the, these are the final you know twenty days before before she gets to finish this tour. Mm. So mm. Ooh. do you think she dies? Maybe they send the scrapbook back to her family. That's like the final scene. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that'd be pretty. But that'd be yeah. pretty heart wrenching. But um, I, I just like the idea of, of showing this different side of of what what war actually is. Oh, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of it is humanitarian like, missions. A lot of it is, you know, um, patrolling it. Well, and I think just showing the conflict, with, like the internal conflict of the the people on the ground versus the the people who have sent them there. Right? Like, yeah. you know, the government have their own reasons for having people on the ground. Um, or in boats or whatever. Technically, the Marines are probably mostly around boats, right? But we're just going with general military. Um, but 
how do the people who out of the soldiers feel about that? You know, particularly when they you're going to have friends who are locals, right? Who are na- you know who are um, who are of the people who are technically the enemy as such. Yeah. Um, and I think really exploring that would be quite interesting too. Yeah, That's I really cool. like that. It's very cool. I like when we get into some serious kind of introspective stuff sometimes. Impoverished limestone. Legitimated kipper. All right. What's limestone used for? Lots of things. Now, what do you think of when you hear the word kipper? I think fish for some reason. Yeah, well, it is a type of fish, right? Well, then that's why. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking impoverished. I'm thinking poor. I'm thinking limestone. I'm thinking uh, what comes to my head is cottage. And then, okay. you know, kipper brings brings back the poor and the, and the cottage again. What was your other word? Legitimated. <laughs> legitimated. So to be made legitimate or justified. So maybe it's something around like a bastard child of a- a royal or something. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like this. I mm. like this. Okay, so we're t- we're thinking. We- you start off. I love that we. I love that we went through all these words and thought of all this stuff to get to the most common beginning of a role playing game ever. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're a child in a poor town in a house eating kippers. I feel yes. like that. Maybe that not specifically kippers happens, but and and you have some grand. Um, future because you're an illegitimate child of a royal So, I'm going to throw a little wrinkle in here. Good, yes, because, as I said, every RPG ever. So, your character not only wants to be legitimate, well, he wants to be legitimate, but a legitimate, like, funny person. So, in other words, they've always always wanted to become- A comedian. Court jester. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I like the idea then that the court jester can't be of royal blood. <laughs> so this is actually getting in their way of their dream. <laughs> like that they're a bastard and they do have royal blood. <laughs> they have royal blood. Like maybe he doesn't know, and the whole sort of first bit of the story is him like they're holding auditions or whatever. Like there's a job interview for the court jester, and you know he do he does really well. And gets sort of up to the higher levels. And then, like, the king's right-hand man or whatever recognises him, recognises you. It's like, holy shit, like, I thought we got rid of this kid. Um, And pulls you aside and says, like, "Uh, you can't be a jester. (laughs) You're the king's son. (laughs) And maybe they need you now. Like, maybe all the other king's heirs have died or something and there's no heir to the throne. And for them to sort of keep keep order, they need you to become king. So the first half of the game, you're, you're- you're doing all this work to become the court jester, that sort of stuff. You're you're doing pratfalls. You're doing you know funny, funny yeah, clown like things songs and, and um, you know saving up for the highest quality bells on your jester hat. So what I like, maybe is you start that- with only one. Maybe the level of a jester is like how many of the tassel things you have on your jester hat. So what I'm thinking is your adoptive father that you didn't know was your adoptive father. Mm-hmm. Was literally the the best court jester that has ever been seen. Okay. Did he and, die when you were a kid? Um, or did I'm he thinking, literally I'm train thinking you up? that the king disliked something that he's that he said, and he was beheaded. Okay. But of course, the king was actually your father. Yeah. 
So, you know, your real father beheaded your adoptive father. That's, that's going to, going to create some good, um, good drama in there. Totally. I, I really, I really want this to, to have not necessarily adventure game sort of things, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's rather Skyrim esque. In, yeah, you in know where I was of... heading? I, mean, I don't know if it's just because of sort of the humorous mode, but Fable. Fable, um, yeah. Kind of a Fable-esque feeling to it of, I don't know, just the way you could kind of- Because that kind of had emotes and stuff that yeah. you could do as you walked around and different ways you could interact with people. So Fable like the, a little bit of Discworld on the side. I really like, okay. like the comedic thing of Discworld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, with Fable, I was even just thinking more of the, the kind of way it controlled and, yeah. and the interactions- um, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could go a bit more that way for for the sort of general um, tone and, and, and art style and stuff. Um, I've been watching a bit of Monty Python lately, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm well. Look, a keeper, of- a keeper is definitely a British <laughs> fish, right? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just picturing like in the background of one of the scenes, like there's there's just a knight with a massive fish just going around and smacking peasants in the face with it. <laughs> totally, yeah. Uh, look, maybe you can work a kipper into your routine very, you know, effectively. Um, and and look, where I was trying to lead you before uh, was was Red Dwarf. He's always, you know, he's um, isn't is it like his ultimate? Smoke me a kipper. Smoke me a kipper. Yeah. <laughs> I did think of that before, but yeah. I'm like, I don't know how to how to get um, Ace Rimmer in here. <laughs> I, I gave okay, Ace Rimmer. I re- I just got that. That's like a dirty pun. <laughs> You really only just got that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I suppose you don't really think about that. But Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I let you get your red dwarf in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, um, yeah I, so I like that idea a lot. And then, uh, so how are we thinking? I mean, we talked about, yeah, like just so sort of for- RPG gameplay, but. First half of the game, you're solely in the town, pretty much. You're sort of building yourself up to become court jester. Yeah, or maybe like the first third kind of thing. The first act, basically. I'm, I'm thinking that the vizier doesn't- uh, recognises you and tries to, like, literally get you killed again. You know, like he thought that he'd, he'd killed you many, many years ago. Um, because he- he wants to, um- I know, I think- I think it comes back to- some of the typical things he wants to basically marry, marry the marry king's the, the king's yeah, daughter just to yeah, usurp yeah. the front the throne and yeah, I love Prince of Persia, but sort of stuff. Realizes that you're the bastard son that you know he thought he had killed years ago. Well, I like the way I like the fact that yeah, he doesn't recognize you until you get up to like the last phase of the auditions and that and you've been saving your dad's signature move, yep. like signature. Um, joke or or, de- or whatever slapstick routine, um, and that's what tips him off. Yeah. So then, you know, you sort of I'm thinking a la Snow White or or whatever it was, where the huntsman sort of takes takes Snow White Snow White out on on certain orders, yep. but then let let her go instead of um instead of you know actually oh that is chopping that's what the happens. heart out sort of thing. That's the sort of thing that happens. It turns out that you know the vizier's power. Only goes to to a certain level outside of the uh, the mm. castle walls. So the huntsman that that you got taken out by um, just lets you go, and and then you know. Wait, is this you- what happens now, or this is what happened when you were a kid? No, I'm thinking it happens now. Like the okay. vizier tries to tries to kill you again, but he he you know bewitches someone to 
to do that. So the second half of the right. game is you amassing an army in the um in the outskirts, an basically army of to jesters. basically to <laughs> to um come and take out the the vizier. Mm, okay, yeah, and I like the idea then that that the vizier has the king under some sort of thrall, and maybe yeah. that's even why they're recruiting jesters because it it keeps the king busy. Is you know, it's much easier for the vizier if the king's sitting there laughing at jesters. It kind of yeah. helps his helps him not have to maintain the spell as well because he's already the king's already distracted, and it just lets the vizier do whatever he wants, continue with his machinations to take the throne. So I, I can really see this as you know the first half is just in a city you you're just practicing to get up here, becoming the leader of of basically these jesters. You make it into the top, and then the vizier pulls you aside, and then. Like guards come and capture you and take you out yep. to you get some to exposition. Yeah, get yep. taken out, but you talk your way out of it basically, or yep. joke your way out of it. <laughs> I love the idea of of um, you know dialogue options where you've got you can either try to do a joke or be serious. Oh um, yeah, that I sort like of that. thing. Um, and depending on your skill levels, you know. Yeah, and so, so is you there can any build com- up speech you can? Um, yeah, yeah I, I think. I think yeah, is there, is there combat then? There is some combat, but it's um, it's it's all sort of like slapstick stuff. <laughs> okay. okay, it's like to, you you've got moves where if two people are coming to you from either side, you can like fall on your fall on your butt and they stab each other, and <laughs> you yeah, know, someone's I'm, I'm- someone's got a big lance and uh, or you've got a big lance and you're like swinging it around and ducking under it and <laughs> the kind of Charlie Chaplin stuff. <laughs> yeah. That'd be pretty cool. I'd love to figure out how that, so those sort of gameplay mechanics would work where you could keep those sorts of animations in there and actually still let you take people out, but I like it. Yeah, I, I just really like the idea of, you know, you're, you're sort of not allowed to exit the um, the city at the start and then you're not allowed to enter the city through the um, yeah, middle part of think- the game and then the final part of the game is you literally um, sneaking back in with your... Um, so I like the idea there that you team up with your half-sister... The, the king's daughter, um, yep. because obviously she doesn't want the fucking vizier to marry her. And so at some point you kind of help her get free or she helps you get free or whatever, right? Like and then you, she teaches you, team you up. Then she teaches you proper combat. Oh, uh, yeah, that's cool. So she's, you're obviously the joker, the jester, and she's actually, you know, been well-trained in combat and can kick some ass. Yeah, I like yep. that. Um, I also like the idea of having, I also like the idea of having a male-female relationship that's not romantic. So yes, that's kind of fun. Um, doesn't, doesn't I like enough. that the the half sister is almost like your yeah, Arya Stark, so you know, really, really good with the um with a blade. Yeah, is effectively like an assassin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And for sure, you know, sort of teaches you. It's it's almost sort of like a the way that I would have liked Assassin's Creed to almost be, in the fact that you start off not being an assassin and mm, you sort of you get taught sort of towards the end, time. and and you end up being an assassin towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And then the whole game has to end on some horrible joke, pun or something, that you say yep. to the vizier as you kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, um, it, it's something that was said right near the start that you're sort of like, oh, God, you know, let's hope this doesn't come back. <laughs> and it comes yeah. back just as he's killing him. <laughs> something ridiculous as you're, like, torturing him and you've got your sword and you, like, put your sword next to his head and you're like, you're not going to need vizier, are you? And you cut his ear off. 
Um, what a, what? And, then, and then just to really rub it in, you do it to his other ear and just make the same joke. And what about <laughs> Vizier? He's like, I got it the first time, you asshole. Um, <laughs> I kind of like the idea that you find out that a, a lot of the previous jesters in, in this thing were also assassins in that your, oh, your father oh, was like- okay. um, It turns out your know, father was actually a- okay. And I so like that, that, that leads into, you know, sort of future um, future games in this. Yeah, I love that, that that's a big revelation right at the end, that the whole time, like, you're thinking, oh, my God, like, this is so unusual. I'm this jester, but I'm learning to be an assassin. And then, oh, maybe your dad's alive. Ooh. Maybe, like, the whole, the last thing is, like, your dad comes out of the sort of the dark- Oh, your adoptive well, father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your real dad's still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the adoptive father. I love the idea because maybe there's been like mysterious figures who have helped you here and there. But I love the like the scene of your dad kind of coming. You know, that's typical thing coming out of the dark, so their face can be seen. He like, and like I said, the amount of the amount of um, jester like tassels is how good of a jester you are. But mm-hmm. he, so he like brushes like a hundred tassels back from his hat over his, <laughs> and there's just this dinging of the bells at the end. It's like ding, 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 ding. And he's like, "It's me. I am your father. Welcome to the assassins. You know, the the jester assassins." No, you know what I want it to be. What's it called? He, he's, he's he's saying it, he's saying it to to his sister. He goes, "Oh, I'm tired." And then you hear from the back, "Hi, tired. I'm dad." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Oh god! I Three, two, one, click. There. Yes, <laughs> it's not getting better than that. Three, two, one, click. <laughs> Succinct toweling, beaded buggy. Okay. So you saying? Um, you saying uh, what, is, what? Sorry, toweling, succinct toweling. toweling. Yes. Since you said toweling, my head with beaded sort of went mm-hmm. to like beads of sweat. Okay, I was just going with beads of water or liquid in general. Yep. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm thinking <laughs> this is going to be weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's a VR game mm-hmm. in which you play a towel boy that has to like. Wipe down, wipe down these people that, <laughs> at a uh, at a at a gym. <laughs> so they come up to you and you've got beads of sweat, and you've got to like, um, sort of y- use All your right. towels to like. And you have to be succinct about it, otherwise yep. they don't. Re- well, particularly when you're telling off certain areas. Well, it's it's not only just telling off people, but you're also telling off the machines. Um, so okay. you know, is that like- where buggy come? Where does buggy come in? Maybe do you get to like upgrade to like a golf course or something? Tell off buggies. That could be cool. Yeah, I like that. Sort of like a June buggy that you that you're on a beach having to towel people off. Oh yeah, you like this is you you got your towel off service. Mm. Um, where you're hooning around this beach waiting for people to get out of the ocean so you can say, "You want me to towel you off?" <laughs> <laughs> so what's the challenge? Like, is it just a matter of being efficient, using both sides of the towel when one side gets wet, having additional towels for? people with lots of hair or large bodies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, you've got different, different types of towels. You know, you've got, oh. um, you sort of oh. got um, 
higher threaded count towels for, for like rich people. And then you've got, um, like beach towels that can, that can like soak up, um, salt water better than. Oh, say, interesting. You got towels that smell nice. Yeah. I like the idea that you've got, uh, like, because you're such a, an expert, um, you know, you're the master toweler that you've got like the different sorts of towels for when they first get out of the water, you use this to like get the most of the water off and then you switch to your like finer, finer threaded towel to really polish, you know, get, get those little drips that stick to the hair and stuff. And then you've got your head, you've got your head towel that really like wraps around and soaks up the hair, Mm -hmm. uh, that soaks up the water from the hair. Mm -hmm. Okay. And still think, okay. VR. I like VR. (laughs) Kind of, kind of writes itself this one. I'm just trying to think if there's anywhere else we can go with it. Oh, well, you got to get some towel towel whipping mechanics in there. <laughs> Maybe you have to like fend off other towelers who yeah, are also other towelers. To- or if you're on the beach, or there's I'm thinking crabs or okay, like, yeah, you've just got enemies, other little things that are that are coming to to like take the towels away. Mm. So you got to or get your person flip the wet towel again. out. <laughs> Like maybe there are little kids with with water pistols, and if you don't get them off, then they're going to wet down your your client again. It's going to take you even longer because um, there's obviously a time limit. I like the idea also with the again with the different sorts of towels. Some towels are going to be better for whipping, so you can either you know if if it's desperate, you're going to have to whip with your really expensive towel um, and maybe damage it in some way. But you know you're better off switching to your whipping towel, which has you know ball bearings at one end. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sewed into the corner. <laughs> Gives you a good welt. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm going to leave that there. Out. Three to one click. <laughs> okay. Malignant heartburn. Inseparable sapphire. I'm getting mystical vibes off this again. Wizardly vibes of some sort. I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing my malignant heartburn and I'm sort of thinking, you know, indigestion and cancer. <laughs> it's sort of not- Well, but that's where I'm kind of going to inseparable sapphire, almost in a fantasy style Tony Stark way, where this magical sapphire is, it has to be kept next to their heart because they have some sort of fatal disease that's going to otherwise okay. kill them. Okay. Now, either we take that as sort of a feature of the main character or we use that to spin this into a, which is some, well, we've done this sort of before, but not exactly this way, but I was thinking like a fantasy um, doctor's game, which we did something similar a while ago, but that was more goofy where you were a troll sort of thing. I'm thinking this is more learning the systems around different crystals that will solve, you know, that will um, do different things to the body and, and more of a, not surgeon simulator in that wackiness, but more of you are literally operating on these people and having to use the right tools for the right job. Okay. Or we can just go with a narrative thing where um, this character has this feature. I do like a narrative game. I do like the idea that this wizard, he um, he goes to to the local healer. He, he had some heartburn, you know, basically- wasn't feeling too good. Went to the healer, said, "Well, actually, you're dying. Here, you're carry, carry the carry the sapphire, and you'll be able to 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 live a normal life." However, there is this um there is this mystical plant that you can you can get, and if you get it for me, then I can 
Yeah, they can make, make you a cure and, and you won't have to carry the sapphire anymore. But beware right, that once you've carried, once you've held onto the sapphire, you can never be, um, you can never Separate. let go of it, set it down. Otherwise, you will immediately start to succumb to the, to the, um, all right, that's cool. Malignancy. That's cool. And I like, I like where that ends up. I've got a much better way to get there. Yep. Instead of a wizard, an all powerful being going, Ooh, oh, I've got some heartburn and going to a healer. I think that this wizard is in some sort of battle with a demon yep. and he takes a blast to the heart and in the, to the chest. And in the heat of the moment, because he knows he's nearly dead, he like casts some, you know, spell, pulls a sapphire out and draw right a friggin' abracadabra or whatever and just shoves it into his chest. <laughs> a la Tony Stark. <laughs> well, kind of. With the arc reactor. Yeah, but he literally, I'm literally saying he puts his fist into his chest <laughs> and shoves it next to his Like, this is a badass sorcerer. Yep. And then he goes to the healer and the healer's like, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> And the guy's just like, well, look, I had, I would have died. Like, this is, this is like field, you know, medicine here. I was in the heat of the battle. And then the, the, the doctor's like, all right, I guess. But if you, if you don't want this sapphire in your chest forever, you're going to have to find me this fucking plant. And then that's what sets you on your quest. Awesome. <laughs> just love the idea. He's just got this scarred up wound on his, on his buff. Hairy chest. I've yeah. got a thing all, all for you see buff like, wizards. Yeah, you do. You do seem there's to have a something thing. About, there's something about broad-chested, bare-chested wizards with their big beards and their fucking awesome pointy hats. So, what I'm seeing is you can just see a little bit of the sapphire um, when he's got his, ch- you know, his bare chest out. Which he always does. Yeah, he always does. Um, you can see a little bit of the sapphire, but um, I, I'm seeing that the veins running out from, from where that sapphire bit are, and mm. just like this bright, brilliant blue. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah. So, you know, it really, it's sort of painting a target as to where the bloody sapphire is. Oh, totally, yeah. And if you get hit there, you know, it, it does more damage. You're going you're gonna to be in trouble. Yeah. Um, so, it's sort of like um, an, a linear action adventure. Yeah. Yeah, I think from that point now- you're you're playing this wizard, and you've got cool attacks you can do, and you it, it, the story goes on from there and, and, and unfolds. Yeah, I'm seeing it almost like a God of War sort of yeah linear combat. You're heading to totally totally into this one thing, but there's also some side quests along the way, and and yeah. things that you can unlock. And yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. I like that idea of a yeah, actually very God of War esque. I, I think would work quite well. Um, but obviously, instead of his mostly sort of melee based stuff, it's it's a lot of it's all spell based. Longer range area, longer range area of effect spells, really, you know, cool looking attacks and effects. Yeah, um, I'm seeing him walking with his magical staff that he can also swing around and like fire out. Oh, totally. Um, shit yeah, with, I but think also maybe you can. I think maybe you can switch between again, I like God of War, but maybe you get to switch between like. A handheld, either some sort of, like a wand or, you know, or you hold your book of power and cast spells with your hand or something. And that's more yep. of better range attacks and that sort of thing. And then, yeah, but you can pull out your staff. And- well, what, what I like is that the the wand and the staff are the same thing. But 
sort of like the wand mm. is like the small version, and then he sort of flicks it around in his hand and just um, oh, I like, sort of I like, <laughs> uh, shoves his shoves his fist down by his um by his side, and like the the and wand just, like, just grows into his massive staff. That's cool too. Or I, I kind of had the thought that like. He carry the wand clicks into the top of the stuff, <laughs> so he like carries the 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 bottom part of the stuff on his back all the time. And when he needs to switch to it, he just like reaches behind and like plugs the wand into the top and then pulls it out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's a wizard; he can probably just magically transform it. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, um, I'm really liking this. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I feel like that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, your inseparable saf- sapphire bit with the with the demon sort of. Um, gives you a perfect opening in that you, you're in this battle that you know that um, you can't win right at the very start. So yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. No matter like how it actually, ends- it, it kicks off. It's one of those classic, classic game beginnings where you're thrown right into the action. Yeah. And if you've played it before or you're pretty good at games, you know maybe you will last a bit longer, but it, it's always gonna gonna end the same way. Yeah. There's literally no way to to end it any other way other than the fact that you get blasted in the heart by this massive um, attack. Yeah, but one of the, it happens just after you happen to pick up the sapphire from the ground. Like you, I can't yeah, or maybe you've just that- grabbed it before you've gone into this fight or something. Yeah. So you've got some idea that you know it, it's a good vessel or something, a good magical vessel. And he's like, oh, maybe I'll you know oh, maybe the intro cinematic is a- literally him going, oh, I've got I've got the um the sapphire of extended life. <laughs> well, no, I like the idea that it's more that he puts the magic into it or casts the spell on it. But maybe it does start with. Maybe it's a very powerful vessel that, you know, that, that in this world of magic, wizards can do things where if they've got a powerful enough vessel, then that becomes sort of a permanent spell of sorts. Um, and he was, you know, he had grand plans for what he was going to use it for, right? It was yep. some sort of big, I don't know, weapon or something, maybe not a weapon, maybe something that he was going to help people with, like it was going to, you know, it's going to be like a, a weather spell that made sure that all the crops were going to grow or something, you know, year round. But then, obviously, this happens, and he's like, well, he had to save himself, and now he doesn't have it to use for this thing. Um, nice. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, I want the game. Yeah, we always <laughs> do this. I want all these games. Um, end. The end of the game is him going up against the demon again. Yes. Yes. And this time, or, or maybe- you know, it turns out that the um, I'm wondering whether you do like a time sort of thing, and basically, you can come back fight alongside yourself to actually stop yourself from being hit. <laughs> you could go that way. I'm kind of thinking maybe you know, because presumably you've met some people along the way, and there's some sort of different relationships there. I like the idea that to save one of your companions from this demon. You have to now pull the sapphire out of your chest. Oh god. And enchant it in some way. <laughs> and again, like it's this powerful vessel. You can you can now, you know, put the magic into it that it will decimate this demon. And in your but, sort but of in doing that you sacrifice in, yourself. You're sacrificing yourself. Except of course, like epilogue or like Dinamois is you know, by now you've found the herbs or whatever. Like maybe he was protecting them. You know, this is the last thing you had to do before you found the plant that was going to cure you properly. Yeah. Your companion who you save, you know, makes the final potion. Yeah, I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Cool. Three to one, please. That had a really cool arc. Final one, I reckon. Final one for two. All right. Final quick one. Touring casket. Calico arson. 
Mm. All right. So, uh, okay, here's where my mind went. Because for touring casket, I didn't actually really want to do something particularly around just dead people or the undead. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, and then from touring, I went to like a band. Oh, again? <laughs> I know we did a band thing last week, but bear with me. Or should I say cat with me? That doesn't make sense. But what I was thinking, because you said calico, is that this is in a, in a cat world. <laughs> and your cats. Okay. Um, and what was the other word? Arson. Arson, right. And because you've got... Well, we did do stuff around the fucking effects last week, didn't we? But yeah. still, rock and roll cats is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Calico cat world like. Um, touring. And casket. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. sort of thinking vampires. So okay. cats and vampires. Vampire band. <laughs> I was thinking touring is in like <laughs> yeah, okay. this. Like cat is it Dracula. Like hol- holidaying? This cat Dracula is touring. Cat cat Dracula? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Bram Stoker's cat Dracula. Cat cat killer. Cat killer. Cat killer. So I'm thinking you play you play a young cat who who basically um has been caught for accidentally burning down um his family's cottage. Um his family's cat tree. Yes. But what they what they happen to find is is basically the bodies of, of maybe your, your family. But they had holes in their neck, and okay. so you're now um, being trained to become like a vampire killer. Mm, and okay. one of the the only sort of thing that that um, remains from from some of the vampire stories is like um, fire can can really hurt Dracula and or Catcula. Um, <laughs> Such a weird name. Um, so fire, some staking, but I, I really I like the idea that they've decided to go with the whole with the whole arson thing is is the way that they're they're going to tackle Dracula. Okay, I like that. I really want to lean into this cat thing. Yep. So I like the idea that their houses look like cat trees, like they're sort of built on different levels and oh yeah, have like dangly that. things off them. I'm wondering if they're not even particularly anthropomorphic, like they're still walking on four legs. Now, I know okay. that's going to cause some issues with combat and stuff, but I think, think we're up to the task. Because we don't have to develop. Because we don't actually have to come up with the cool <laughs> animation systems that allow a fucking cat on four legs to somehow stake a wooden stake into Cacula. Cacula. We've got to come no, up don't, with Don't forget they're better- not going with the, the wooden stake. They're going with like the, um, the makeshift... Um, flame oh, yeah. oh, right. the the back. oh yeah, so even easier. Even <laughs> easier. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking that yes, they walk on all fours, but um they've still managed to be able to use tools and that sort of stuff. Yeah, okay. They've so got they kind of some sit sort back of on their horses and things, but they tail. still have to Oh yeah, they've got the opposable <laughs> tail. <laughs> you can use the tail. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Mm. That really, really helps. So I just got this cat holding a flamethrower in its fucking prehensile tail. 
Yeah, prehensile tail. Um, really, really, really like that part. They they can actually they've got clothes and that sort of stuff, so you can oh you yeah, they wear clothes your armor and shit. Yeah, um, I'm thinking somewhat role playy, but um, yeah, I'm not sure which way to go with it. Yeah, not not Skyrim, not Fable. No, I don't. I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know about role play. Like an, it, um, I was thinking RPG light though. Almost. Yeah, I guess like more Mass Effecty. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay, that could work. I like the idea of having some nice conversation animation between these cats. Um, and, for, and for authenticity, it's all they all just speak in meows and purrs, and it's subtitled. <laughs> but it's all still fully voiced. Like they've, it, it goes along with. You can tell. You can. You can feel the emotion. In each. Literally, went and got three hundred cats. <laughs> No, 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 no. They've got people who are really good at making cat sounds so they could act. They need to be able to act. No, what they did is they got a whole heap of celebrities who have cats and got them to bring in their cats and make oh, them purr. celebrity and- cats. Celebrity cats. Celebrity cats yep. is definitely going to be better actors than everyday yep. cats. Exactly. Um, um, so, you've been hired for this voice part, but you're not actually doing it. So, the only reason why I got, a- got this part is because I got a cat, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay, that's cool. And then, yeah, you you come up across, you come you come up against the cacula, uh, <laughs> I guess. Um, but first, first, <laughs> you have to defeat Catcula in his cat's good. <laughs> oh god, no, that's going too far. But anyway, first you have to defeat his his um, you know sidekick, who is a succubus. <laughs> See, leave room for my bad puns. <laughs> <laughs> I like a succubus. <laughs> anyway, it's, that's it cool. sounds so freaking bad. <laughs> God, I think we'll call it there. On succubus? Yeah, let's call it on succubus. Let's just say succubus a few more times. Title of the episode. All right, so <laughs> thank you for joining us this week on Pitstorm. If you want to find us online and listen to our previous 103-odd episodes, I just mean they're odd. They're exactly 103. No. Um, then uh, go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. It's the easiest way to find all of our stuff. You can listen to us on a bunch of different players there or find the iTunes or the whatevers. We've got YouTubes up there with some additional stuff. Yeah, go check it out. Awesome. While you're checking out stuff, go check out the AGPN, the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. Just search for hashtag AGPN on Twitter or the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook. Find a whole heap of awesome people out there and check out their podcasts. Finally, we'd like to thank Kuradust for the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. That's it. So thank you again for joining us this week on BitStorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And I'm being attacked by a demon. Oh my God, Abracadabra. I'm alive still.